Next on BYUSN, Elisa Tuiaki out as the new as the DC. Our reactions and who should the new DC be? Well, super weekend for BYU hoops and BYU football. What did we learn from those two big victories? How about that comeback versus Dayton? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Great to have you with us on this Monday, November 28th. I am Jeremy Jordan. He is Dave McCann. It was a busy weekend, man. It was a good weekend. There were so many games to watch. And we were exhausted when ours finally came on, but it was on. It was like, well, what else are we going to do? It felt like yeah, this is what we do uh, as, as BYU fans and, and uh, covering the team, of course, uh, with you guys. And, and it was halftime, and I felt what it was like to be an East Coaster. I was like, the game's only halfway over? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so tired. We had East Coasters texting us during our, uh, during our pregame show. They were like, guys. 11 p.m. start for football is killing us back here. That's tough. I said, well, the good news is we're going to start to speak in central time here yeah. soon enough. Yeah. And, and perhaps this week we'll know the uh, Big 12 schedule. Dave. Yeah, I think Thursday is kind of what Tom Homo hinted at when he sat down with us last week. Uh, that's coming up. Huge news. You know, what, what a that's day. That's exciting. Be. Just to see the list yep. and see BYU in it, I think is the – everyone knows it's coming, but I think that's when you go, oh, my gosh, it is coming, and we're going to play all those. And we got to go find a defense coordinator and a whole bunch of other things. Lots to do. we got a lot going on on this show today. Trevor Maddich, our national champion from 84, he's going to be with us. He'll chime in on the defensive situation. David Nixon went to work this weekend interviewing Taysom Hill, his brother-in-law, and Danny Sorensen after the Saints game in San Francisco. We'll hear those interviews. And a Jets win yesterday. How bad of a deal is that for BYU Zach Wilson? We will discuss. Okay, here are today's headlines. Elias Tuiaki steps down after seven seasons as BYU's defensive coordinator. Tuiaki posted about it last night on his Instagram. Much more on this coming up in What's Trending. BYU beat Stanford 35-26 in the regular season finale. They ran for 358 yards. It was impressive when they were moving the ball on the ground. Jaron Hall went out with a sprained ankle in the second half. Team now waits to find out who and when they will face in a bowl game. Should know that in the coming days, probably after the weekend. And speaking of Hall and the bowl game, Spencer got an update from Jaron right after the football game. Do you feel like you'll be okay and ready to go in the bowl game? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, do you have a preference on where you go and who you play? I No preference. We're going to have a good time. Wherever we go, that's where the party's going to be at. So we're going we're gonna to learn from the last couple of years, make sure that we uh, finish on a good note. Wherever we go is where the party's going to be at. That's what I said when I got my mission call. <laughs> and you took the party to? I went to Brazil. To Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Well, the World Cup was going on, and it was yeah, a party. Yeah, I had to ignore Carnival, but that's another thing. <laughs> we'll update you more on Hall's situation as we get into the week. He was in a good mood there yeah. for having uh, been hurt in that game, but I, luckily it was a, a sprained ankle and not something more serious. Remember at the SC game, somewhere in there he got hurt. Yep. And he was a game-time decision leading up to the bowl game and didn't play. Because Baylor Romney was uh, in position, there was well, there wasn't a ton of pressure for him to play in that game. Hey, Baylor Romney isn't coming through that door. That's right. <laughs> Cougars in the NFL. Tyler Algier had 11 carries for 54 yards and a loss to the Commanders. Taysom Mill had six carries for 13 yards and a seven-yard catch in the Saints 13 nothing lost to Fred Warner and the Niners, or should we call him Pete, who had seven tackles, a forced fumble on the opening drive, and two pass breakups. Joni Takitaki had six tackles, a 23-17 Browns win versus Tom Brady and the Bucks. Michael Davis, six tackles, a sack, hello, TFL, two pass breakups. Kyle Van Noy added five tackles in a Chargers 25-24 win versus the Cardinals. Exciting game right there. Good to see those guys doing well. Basketball, battle for Atlantis. 
The game on Friday, BYU's down 23 in the first half, and they come roaring back and win in overtime 79 to 75. It's what you can do when you limit turnovers and play hard and shoot better than 57% after halftime. Westminster's on the docket tomorrow night, 8 East, 9 Eastern time, 8 Eastern for game day. We're live at Vivint Arena in Salt Lake City and right here on BYU TV. Sounds like it's the second biggest comeback in men's basketball history to Iona 25. That, uh, that second year uh, in the WCC, incredible. Big dance, crazy. Women's Hoops lost 61-56 to Ball State Saturday, led by a seventh double-double from Lauren Gustin. Literally every game this year. Cougars play at Boise State on Thursday of note. Coach Whiting's son plays for Boise State. They might be out of town, so I don't know if they're going to connect. Women's Volleyball off to the NCAA Tournament where they always do well. This year they're the seven seed, found out last night in the selection show. Gonna play James Madison at four Eastern time on Friday back at Pittsburgh. It seems like they always go to Pittsburgh. They did last year in the Sweet 16. And if they beat James Madison, they're gonna Re play Pittsburgh. Rematch, uh, Pitt one and four. Shout out to the WCC, got four teams in. That's great. A little bit surprising, that was great. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, which is presented by BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. Okay, Elisa Tuiaki steps down as defensive coordinator, as announced on his Instagram last night. What's your reaction? Well, I was a little bit surprised only because it was Sunday night and it was on Instagram. Um, kind of felt changes were coming. I think there's going to be some more. Uh, seven years with Kalani Sataki and his staff. He's had a lot to do with, uh, with their winning. Uh, he's been great for us. And we work with the coaches and get to know them a lot differently than, than the general public. And so there's a different relationship there. So you're always sad uh, when changes like this come. But I, I read his statement and I thought it was good. He's, he's ready for something new as well. And so uh, I salute him. Salute him for what he's done. Wish him the best moving forward. And, uh, and BYU has had uh, some challenging times with him. They've had some really, really good times with him. I echo that sentiment. Uh, BYU's probably been better defensively outside of the last two years than you think. Uh, people forget quickly. Uh, in 2018, BYU was third, uh, 33rd in uh, SP+. Uh, obviously, the COVID year, tremendous 21st. That uh, is a unique year, of course. But, yeah, there, there were moments where, uh, you know, fans didn't like what was going on. And uh, when you win, uh, it's great. When you don't, people look for somebody to blame. And certainly, Elias Tuiaki was, was used in that regard uh, a lot from the fan base. And now it's, uh, it's time to move on. I, I like to say on this program that the, the jobs around BYU sports are not callings. But I do want to make a calling reference here. There's a certain amount of time that a bishop or a stake president or whatever has, and then he's done. Not everyone is here forever. Uh, this is a job. But there does come a time where it's time to get someone new in that position. And that time has come because BYU the last two years has uh, stunk on defense. Uh, 79th in SP Plus last year. 102nd before the Stanford game. Certainly it's time for uh, a change. Now, if BYU uh, had won two more games than, uh, than it did this year, there might not need a, a change, uh, might not be merited, but we're at that point right now in this situation. BYU did mention this in, in a statement about Tiuiaki's departure. BYU will immediately begin a search for a new defensive coordinator to lead the program's uh, defense. Once in place, a new defensive coordinator will work with Satake to determine any defensive staff needs. So we don't anticipate that there will be other changes, I guess, immediately based right. on that statement.
but I'd be surprised if they weren't, like you said. I think, too, if, if we're going to put out the, the negatives on, on where BYU's defense is, and, and they earn those numbers, and for a variety of reasons, there's also the positives you got to include. BYU's 28-9 and nine over the last three seasons. That means Tuiaki's 28-9. Jaron Hall's 6-1 and one against the Pac-12. Tuiaki 6-1 against the Pac-12. So there's this, uh, but, the, but it's got to come along with this because then you get the full thing of, yeah, yeah, sometimes change is good for a variety of reasons, um, but, uh, but it doesn't mean this was a failure uh, and this was a disaster hire because it wasn't. Um, it just means that this is time for a change. But, but on this hand and on this hand, you've, you've got a career. You've got a career of highs and lows. Uh, we celebrate the highs and we beat to death the lows. Yes, we do. do. And we've got to talk about it. Oh, okay, so you're probably wondering, who, who's BYU are you looking at? Who, who's, who's potentially in the mix? 24-7 Sports' Jeff Hansen does a tremendous job. He has come up with his big board. Uh, here's a couple of names. Frank Miley, Boise State assistant coach, notably two years ago, was the Utah State interim uh, after Gary Anderson. Uh, Jason Kafusi, Arizona defensive line. Oh, Kafusi, shoe-in, right? Well, we'll see. Um, You've got other guys like uh, like Derek Odom of San Jose State who worked with uh, Kalani Stockey at, at Oregon State. Uh, Ikaika Malo at uh, UCLA. Kurt Maddox, San Diego State's defensive coordinator. Justin Enna, San Diego State linebackers coach, former Cougar. Kelly Papinga is at Boise State. Lance Anderson from Stanford, longtime D.C. there. Sean Nua at USC is an interesting mention, the defensive line coach, former Cougar. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall is on its list. He said, not coaching, just kidding, this isn't happening. Of course it's not. What about, Gary, what about Gary Patterson, TCU head coach, defensive guy? He's, a, he's on Steve Sarkeesian's staff. An analyst in Texas. Yep. His son is at BYU right now. All his kids have gone to BYU. There's a connection there. Why not give him a call? There certainly is. Would he, is that in the realm of Bronco Mendenhall where it's like, former head coach, would you be a DC somewhere? Now, now and, and, and the card that is most interesting in this conversation is BYU is entering the Big 12. It's going to get up to 50 mil uh, here in two seasons annually with TV revenue. Hopefully they can be more competitive in this conversation than they've ever been before. And I want, want to ask you this, Dave. Do you want a young position coach who hasn't been a DC that Kalani can sort of mold and bring along? Or do you want an experienced guy who's been a coordinator? I kind of think that Kalani will hire a young guy and bring him along, uh, but then stay involved with the defense longer, being the head coach and the defensive coordinator. Kind of like what he's doing now when he got involved in is calling the plays. And, and, and maybe not turn over the reins early, uh, but, but, but tutor this, this person. Um, You'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that because, because Kalani's, Kalani's a defensive guy. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? And, and it's not fair to Tuiaki uh, that, that when Kalani was hired, everyone in Cougar Nation thought Utah's defense was coming. The philosophy, the players, whatever. And, and, and f in a lot of ways, that, that hasn't happened. Yeah, the players um, definitely didn't. Yeah. Like, BYU's got some good players, but it's not Utah's defense. No, no, it's not Utah's defense. And so that, that goes and out of the way. It's not Utah's offense, it's better. That's right. Well, let's acknowledge that. That's right. Like Absolutely. Said, yeah. But but when the defense was talked about, it was yeah. like, okay, Kalani's going to come, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to start sacking the quarterback every time because that's what Utah does. Well, for one reason or another, some years are better and yeah. some are not. Yeah. Um, so so does Kalani tap in on his own experience and and bring up a young guy and, and train him in the way he should go? Um, We'll see. It, it would be tempting to go get and seem like a, a no-brainer to go get someone. But when you get someone, you get their ideas and their system to come into your world, and you got to be okay with that. Some coaches aren't. 
Some coaches are. I, I don't know how Kalani would be this way of, hey, my love is defense, and now I've got to turn it over to somebody else, and it's his defense, and I don't get to boss him around, even though I'm the head coach. Sometimes when you hire guys like this, uh, I kind of think he'll bring up the – because it's fun for him. He loves doing that. I think, he, I think he'd bring up a young guy. And it might even already be on the staff. You never know. Okay. If, if someone – if it was someone on the staff, I, I wonder. Yeah. Like a Gennaro Guilford? Preston Hadley. You, you, you got some guys on there that I, you can teach how to do it yeah. who are already here. Um, I, that's my, one way. My uh, Monopoly money would be on someone not on the staff yeah. if, uh, if it was. And I, I wonder how much Kalani Sitake wants to put – how much does he want on his own plate? You're entering the Big 12. You're playing 10 Power Fives now. You're going to go super hard in, uh, year after year. It's a new era. Do you want to not have to worry about that? Although when you're the head coach, you worry about everything. Yeah. But do you want someone who's been in the fight before? Yeah. No, if I had my pick, listen, if Gary, if Gary Patterson's available, yeah. Well, if Andy Reid's available on offense, too, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's some pipe dreams there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who BYU hires. And I bet that BYU goes pretty quickly with this because the big signing day is not in February. It's in December now. Right. We are three weeks away from that. So I, I anticipate BYU moves pretty quick on this. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. And, and there may be a few others that make it interesting, too. Uh, all right, second topic today on, on this Monday. Which team did you learn more about on Saturday? Or, or Friday. We'll say Friday because of the basketball team and Saturday because of the football team. But in their last two games, which team did you learn the most about? I think it was basketball because uh, they're down 23 and they come back. They were in the 7-8 game in the Bahamas, which is basically the we don't want to lose all three games in this tournament game. And BYU was down 23 and came back. I, I'm not saying this team's going to make the tourney or anything like that. I just love the fight that they showed that, hey, we are good enough to be good. And, and BYU was. Football, you're supposed to take care of Stanford. I'm sorry. And that game was probably too close. That touchdown shouldn't have counted right. uh, when there was a ball. I was like, what? I was like, Pac-12 ref's going to Pac-12 ref. And then the end of the half was weird. They got three points on that. The clock should have expired. There's nine points right there. Uh, for Stanford that they shouldn't have had. And then it's a very different game. Uh, BYU wins by three scores and not two scores in football. But in basketball, I really liked BYU. Yes, started slow, but woke up. Like Jackson Robinson shooting the three now. The last three games, 11 for 22. I really like that. And so it was good for Hoops to show us something there. Football certainly took care of business, but to me that was about checking the box. That wasn't about doing something crazy. I think they saw firsthand – if they have less than 13 turnovers and at a season low 11, uh, that they can they can compete in their in their three losses they could have won all three games. Now I'm not saying they were good enough to win all three games, but they're up 10 at San Diego State and they had USC and Butler had opportunities to win all those games. Uh, they learned some lessons throughout, as Mark Pope has said all along. It's going to be an adventure all season. It's been an adventure so far. I hate that he told that truth, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but you see that hey, limit our turnovers. Fight for the rebounds. Dayton's a good team. You watch. They're going to have a good year. They just didn't have a good weekend. That was a tough tournament. Um, BYU and Dayton were the two, what, worst of the eight, if you want to call it that. It ended up being pretty good. Two losses each, yeah. Uh, And so I think they come home, and we'll see against Westminster, South Dakota, and Utah Valley, three games to get ready for 10th-ranked Creighton down in Vegas. This is what we'll see. Was this a catalyst for, all right, let's go, or was it just a one good second half in overtime. That we'll find out in the coming days. And so I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow night on BYU TV just to see if they come out and, guys, let's take care of the basketball. Let's fight for every rebound. And all of a sudden, 
confidence builds. And a kid who's two for 17 shooting threes suddenly makes 10 over the last couple of games. And, and that's why he was here. That's why he's here to shoot the ball. Speaking of Jackson Robinson, we watch him in practice. We watch him. He never misses in practice. He's awesome. In games, he's sped up a little bit. He's had a really cold start. Well, go to the Bahamas, you get warm. And, yeah, yes, and you he do. got hot. And now let's see if he can keep it going because if, if he's hitting out there, then Foose has got less congestion down here in the paint. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden things get interesting with Rudy and, and Dallin Hall slicing in between. Yeah, it was good to see Trey Stewart make another three. He had struggled. It's good yeah. to see Dallin Hall make some threes. He it all struggled shooting any, threes. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that was great. If you should be credited with the comeback, should you be discredited with getting down that much? <laughs> well, they got down that much because of how they have been playing lately. Yeah. Uh, to their credit, at halftime or whatever, they, they turned the page on to be successful. You need to do these three things, and then they went out and did it. And that's where we are, so let's go with that. Yeah, great, great comeback. Second most, we think, in BYU history to Iona 25, which is, which is crazy. Okay, time now to uh, recap our game day guarantees. Here's our game day guarantee results. We have to give them to you. We're contractually obligated. Okay, here we go. Uh, Dave, you had three. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm not happy with how it turned how it out. But Spencer <laughs> had such a big lead, I was playing with house money. Uh, I had Brooks scoring a touchdown. I thought he'd score two. He didn't score a touchdown, but he ran for 164 yards, a career high. Incredible. Against Cal. So this should be something. That's what he of, does as a, as a Cal guy yeah, against Stanford. Loves that. Yeah. I, I thought Hall would throw for more than McKee, but I didn't know BYU Just run barely missed that one. 358. 313 and 90. No caveat. If I knew they were going to run for half a mile, I would say he's not going <laughs> to throw that much. Uh, Micah Harper would get his first career interception. Shout out to Tanner McKee. He played great. Threw for over 300 yards. He showed off his NFL arm. BYU was a better team than Stanford, but I was happy to see the two return missionary quarterbacks go out and, and play well for the most part. Yeah. And he didn't turn it over, and Hall didn't turn it over. Down three scores, getting a lot of passing yards. Sometimes those are garbage yards, yeah. and that's what it felt like. But they bit. attacked over the middle all game long, and, yeah. and BYU had a hard time adjusting. Yeah. Okay, I went two for three. I actually did okay. Uh, BYU will have more total yards. It's not a shocking uh, thing here. Uh, Stanford won't miss a field goal. I didn't say a kick, otherwise I would have missed it. Because Josh Carty missed feels his like, first feels career like a, kick. A miss. If you miss an extra point, that should negate missing a kick. But go ahead. <laughs> Jake Oldroyd, that's not how the rules work. I take every one I can get in. <laughs> yeah. And Jake Oldroyd makes field goal. Uh, BYU was so dominant, they didn't need a field goal. Uh, just kept punching it. However, you know what? I would have rather had a field goal than that play we tried on fourth and one where Rapati went one way, Hall went the other, and then Hall sprained his ankle. Luckily, Pick they a have field a field goal, and you won another. Luckily, one. it's early in the season, and they still have time to get that fixed. <laughs> uh, on the season, Spencer now Dave, 18 for 36. I am 12 for 36. Just pathetic. Uh, let's hear from you and Voice of the Nation. Our question <laughs> of the day: What are you looking for in the next BYU defensive coordinator? BYU Sports, yeah, on Instagram. Honestly, all I'm looking for right now is some change. I just need to see some things get shaken up and would take that from anywhere, anyone. Maybe Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton should step up to the plate. BYU would be the worst team in the country if Spencer and I called the plays, okay? We're, we're, we just call the plays on this program, okay? There's no, there's no free Yeah, and play. I just saw some numbers there that back up what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you want to be, be 131st in SP Plus on defense? I'm your guy. Got to be careful sometimes when you clamor for change, for the sake of change, because – Sometimes it doesn't always work out, and then you look back and go, I wish we could change back. But uh, this does feel like a good time for some change. Yeah, the, the numbers and sort of situation merit that, and uh, BYU's going to find the next guy. Season finale of the Coordinator's Corner is coming up here. Should be an interesting In just a little bit on the BYU TV app. 
Aaron Roderick, Ed Lamb, 2 o'clock Eastern time with Greg Rubel. It should be an interesting show. And they've got a lot of good things to talk about coming out of Stanford and then the future. And coming up, ESPN's Trevor Manich on the departure of Elisa Tuiaki. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU a winner to finish the regular season at Stanford 35-26. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Lots to discuss with that game, but certainly the news of the day as we welcome in ESPN's Trevor Maddich to the program is the uh, news re regarding Elisa Tuiaki stepping down. Trevor, welcome to the program. Let's get right to it. What's your reaction to this news that Elisa is out? It's a sad day. Sad day because Coach Tuiaki has been a good coach. He's been a good mentor. For players, he has been incredibly loyal to the program and to Coach Sataki and to everybody around him. He is a good man, and you can see his impact in the culture of the BYU football program. That having been said, I think it's the right thing for both sides to move on into the future. But keep in mind that as 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 emotionally bad as it's felt on defense the last couple of years, he had five years where he was in the top 50 of scoring defense nationally. And so he's done a lot of very good things. And I think at this point, it's important to remember those good things because you're talking about a very good man. And for everybody in the program, it is extraordinarily difficult to, to make this goodbye. Last three years, BYU's 28 and 9. And it wasn't all offense that, that got that done. But as they move to the Big 12 now, and Kalani Sataki has the job of, of filling the job, where should he look? He should look to a defensive coordinator that has a, a couple of of features. One is somebody who's got a knack, a talent for maximizing the scheme to the talent that's available on defense so that your playmakers are in position to make plays. Another is he needs to have the heart of a teacher. In other words, he needs to be able to teach the techniques of football, not just what to do, but how to do it. You know, when you look at Baylor, for example, Matt Rule, when he was there and when he was at Temple before that, now he's at Nebraska. He, I, I spent time with him in Waco in on my tours in the off season and watch tape with them, talk to his assistants at length about the way they teach technique. And in an age where people practice really fast, they te teach technique in the meeting off the tape coach rule at temple and at Baylor. And I expect in Nebraska as well, were hardcore technique in practice coaches. That was their first priority. Now they didn't skimp on the scheme. They didn't just simplify things so people could run fast. They actually required a lot mentally of their defenders. But they made sure that first and foremost, they knew how to defeat the guy in front of them. And the new defensive coordinator himself and whatever new defensive staff may come in with that new coordinator need to be able to focus first and foremost on maximizing every physical capability of every player through technique. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation. Would it benefit BYU more going into the Big 12 in year one with the guy who has already been a defensive coordinator previously, or could it be a position coach who is upgraded and perhaps molded by the experienced Kalani Satake? 
ideally you would want somebody who has been a defensive coordinator before. And there are a lot of good places to look. I mean, there are, there are some very successful group of five defensive coordinators. Now that BYU is going into the big 12, you may even be able to get a, a power five uh, defensive coordinator to make a transition laterally. But at the same time, there are a lot of outstanding position coaches, assistant coaches who have not been coordinators, but who have been groomed to be coordinators and who are, would be ready to step in and take that role, especially with Coach Sataki to mentor them because he is a defensive guy as well. And so you, you don't have to have a guy with coordinator experience. I think what you really need is to make sure you fit the features that you want in that guy and make sure that he can fulfill those features, which is to say maximize talent and teach technique. How about a guy with geographical features, so to speak, someone from Texas or Oklahoma in the Big 12 who can help with recruiting uh, instantly by showing up in this kind of a role? That's another thing that Coach Rule did at Baylor. And we talked about this at length. He didn't have any Texas roots when he went there, but he hired some of the top people in the world of Texas high school football who knew the personalities and the culture of Texas high school football and how to make sure that you are respectful of that culture. The last thing you want to do is think you're doing the right thing, but you're not. And because now they've got so many games against Texas teams in the Big 12 and Oklahoma State, which is just up the road from Dallas, you've got parents of recruits now who might be more inclined to consider BYU because they'll be able to drive to multiple games of their sons without having to go all the way to Provo. And then, of course, BYU retains the California and Utah connections. But to have a, a staff that understands and knows well from a personal standpoint, Texas high school football would really help BYU get a jump start on recruiting. Oh, by the way, BYU played a football game on Saturday. Let's talk about it as the Cougars take down Stanford, as mentioned. Interesting game in that BYU completes seven passes for 93 yards and felt like it dominated. Uh, felt like Pac-12 refs uh, helped out Stanford to stay in the game. They had a few calls, and it got weird. Jaron Hall gets hurt, uh, appeared to be an ankle. Jacob Conover came in. But BYU rushes for its most yards in a game since 2013, 358. They really put the pedal to the metal down there. What impressed you the most about that win that BYU needed to get? I liked it that they – they did what worked, and they kept pressing it until Stanford stopped it, which Stanford never really did. Keep in mind that Coach Sataki is a fullback. He played fullback under Lavelle Edwards, and he has that mind of a fullback, that fire of a fullback. And if they're not stopping the run, keep running it. And the thing is, that feeds off of itself. Now, Stanford had some injuries on defense. They were kind of behind a little bit in being able to stop that kind of a thing. But this is football. You find the weak spot, and you absolutely hammer it. And I love that perspective because football, not football. I think at BYU, there's so much kindness being talked about, right? There's so kindness. It's all love one another and all that. Love one another except during the game. During the game, you pile drive the other side. And that's what they did, and I, I love that attitude. No, t uh, no turnovers, no penalties. First time in 50 years that BYU played a game without any penalties. Their focus appears to be better. When you look at back-to-back -back road wins, really, at Boise State to begin the month and at Stanford to finish the month, um, a healthy quarterback, it appears this team is getting back more to what we saw in early September, which bodes well for a bowl game. It really does. And I think it bodes well also for the program going forward, because with all the losses they had in October, there was an opportunity for the culture to become a little loose, even a little unhinged with finger pointing, uh, et cetera. But what happened was they came together 
And we see that in this three-game winning streak. Uh, and that's important because, yes, for the bowl game, that makes it more likely that they'll have a good experience there. It would be great to win that bowl game so they go into the offseason uh, with another win propelling them. But at the same time, the culture of BYU is ultimately what is going to make BYU successful. It's what has made BYU successful. And the way that they finished the regular season against Stanford is a triumph of a culture that was under siege for a long time in the month of October, and they brought it back to, to where the home roots are. Let's talk about Jacob Conover. Uh, last, last couple of weeks, Trev, we've talked about sort of what we've seen or not seen and what we've read into that related to Jacob it's hard to know, too, on Saturday because BYU with Jacob Conover in ran 10 straight run plays, and it was successful for a touchdown drive that ultimately sealed the game since Stanford didn't even get a PAT off the next drive after they scored, making it a nine-point game. What did you take away from Jacob Conover coming in, threw one pass, uh, put it in the dirt because Isaac Rex wasn't open on a screen, uh, but BYU was running the ball effectively? Yes, and and it's it's amazing what happens when you start getting downhill and you keep going downhill, right? It's uh, it's amazing. I thought Jacob Conover did a lot better than some people on message boards think. I mean, they say, well, he just handed off. They didn't let him throw the ball, et cetera. Well, handing off in that offense, in any college offense really, is a complex thing. And we see backup quarterbacks come in during games all over college football, and all of a sudden the mesh points are a little bit off. They're, they're fumbling snaps. They're fumbling handoffs. They're tossing the ball into a place where the receiver isn't able or the, the running back on a pitch isn't able to get it. And I thought Jacob Conover did a fantastic job of executing what he was asked to execute at a very high level. We still don't know what he can do in a game as a passer. But he did come in under pressure, off the bench, and did everything he was asked to do at a high level. And I think that's a good start. As the center of the national championship team, when you look at what BYU's offensive line did to Stanford on Saturday, and Stanford is as banged up as BYU is, but they're always stout and physical. No one expected BYU to run like that against Stanford. They expected them to beat them. But how about the offensive line play? Did you feel and do you feel like they're finally coming into their own as, as pile drivers, as you say? I, I thought they, they showed that they can do it. It has not been a consistent pile-driving performance week after week. And the defense has something to say about that as well. They've played some very good defenses. But it's good to see them get that attitude, to get that, that taste at the end of the season. Because, again, at this point, we're looking at what happens going forward. And what happens going forward now, we'll see what happens in the bowl game, is the culture and the attitude. And this BYU offensive line next year, even though they'll lose at least one and, and maybe two guys to the NFL, they still will be an experienced, talented, big, powerful bunch of, bunch of guys. And so I think having that kind of taste, that downhill taste, is something that if I'm in that offensive line, I'm in the coach's office during the offseason and say, hey, we, we like that. Keep doing that. Keep giving us that opportunity to get rolling in the running game. And so, you know, th this offensive line, again, had a chance to kind of go, not, I don't want to say the word selfish, but to, to play for themselves. And what they showed at the end of the season here is that instead of doing that, they all came together and played better and better as a group as the month of November wore on. And that shows you something about the character of those players. Jaron Hall got hurt in this game, unfortunately didn't finish, but BYU was in control. Otherwise, maybe he toughs it out in a, a different way, right? Um, but when he goes out, BYU's up pretty comfortable. Any concern moving forward to the bowl game? He, he said he feels like he's going to play. It looked like an ankle sprain. We don't know for sure, but any concern from you? A little bit. If it's a high ankle sprain, that's a little bit tough. 
And if he doesn't have that surgery where they put a couple of literal cables inside the ankle to, to support your bones while the tissue around it heals, then if it is a high sprain, then that's something that could be aggravated uh, at that time. I, I don't know that that would hurt him in the draft if he decides to go uh, to the draft. But from a standpoint of what he can do, a big part of his game is, is improvising on the move. And from a standpoint of just the bowl game, if he is limited in his ability to, to improvise, to run, to cut, to make somebody miss, to, to get that extra yard, that's something that th th this team needs in order to be able to, to maximize its effectiveness, not just in the run game, but in the pass game. And so we'll see how that ankle is uh, going into the bowl game because you know his, his ability to cut is very important to the success of this offense. We are anticipating the release of the Big 12 schedule later this week. Athletic Director Tom Homo told us December 1st. That's Thursday. What, you, will, you, what will you be looking for uh, first when that list comes out? First thing is the home games. There'll be, there'll be new home games. And, and with Independence, there have been some fantastic home games. I mean, this year we bring in Baylor, bring in Arkansas. I mean, there's all kinds of just really great opportunities for fans to see teams at, in Provo that they – aren't accustomed to seeing in Provo. So now there's new opportunities to bring in new teams that they aren't accustomed to seeing at home. The second one is, where are those road games? Because now they're going to be able to start a concentrated uh, effort going forward at recruiting on the road in Big 12 play. And right now, as an independent, they've recruited all over the country because they've gotten the BYU brand into literal living rooms of potential recruits that really don't know too much about them. They've been able to meet people, parents and recruits in different places in Wisconsin and Florida, you know, that wouldn't be able to meet them. Now, having such a concentration in Texas and then with Oklahoma State, I'm interested to see where the road games are because now they have to get they have to hit the ground running on that same kind of a thing because road games in conference are to win the game, but they're also to build the future. And so that future will be built on this first year of road games. Okay, and final thought, we've got 30 seconds. Who are your four teams who next Sunday will make the college football playoff? Well, right now, the, the top four I expect to be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC. Of those, USC is the one most likely to lose their conference championship game. I think ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, gives the Utes a 62% chance of beating USC. Now, I don't know that it's that good of a chance, but there's your opportunity. Then it becomes, do you have two loss? Alabama or one loss Ohio State to get that four spot should one of those top four lose. So I think I think the top four will likely win. I think USC will likely beat Utah. But still, you've got a controversy sitting there between Alabama and Ohio State should one of those teams falter. If we learned anything from last week, it's that we don't know anything, which is very exciting. <laughs> but with that said, go Trojans for multiple reasons. Trevor, we appreciate the time, man. <laughs> I hear you. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN. Join us tomorrow night for the season finale of After Further Review. We're going to break down the Stanford game, talk more about the exit of defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, the bowl season. Blaine Fowler, David Nixon, myself, tomorrow night, 7 Eastern time on the free BYU TV app. Hey, everybody busy over the weekend, including interviewer David Nixon. That's coming up, his conversations with Taysom Hill and Daniel Sorensen, plus the Jets win big without Zach Wilson, and the newest BYU hype man. This is BYU Sports Day. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
you, Sports Nation, to interact with the show and get great content throughout the day. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Dave. I am Jerem. Let's whip it. Good Whip Brand is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right. Did Mike White put the nail in Zach Wilson's coffin on Sunday? <sighs> Certainly tough because he threw for 315 in that three touchdowns, Dave. That's what... You know, the Jets were hoping Zach would do in some of these games. Didn't help the Justin Fields, didn't play, but that didn't affect the Jets' offense, per se. That's tough. I would like to see Zach in a couple of weeks, but he, there's a chance he may not start a game again this year if Mike White continues successfully. And if Mike White is not successful and loses, say, two games, then it's out with him and give me somebody else. That's but what they, New York does. And they have Joe Flacco, who they've already started and won with yeah. earlier this year. So yeah, hopefully we'll see some more Zach, but there needs to be a reason to go back to Zach. It might not be this year. I hope it is, but maybe not. If there is, he'll win it in practice, and then, then he'll have to prove it on the field. Yep. What did we learn about Jacob Conover uh, at the uh, Stanford game? Because got, we got some run from him for the first time. It was forced yeah. into action. but yeah. Well, he didn't throw, uh, and he was going to throw a screen pass and threw that away because it wasn't there. I'd like to have seen him just take off, but I'm a viewer at that point going, just do something. Uh, I don't think we learned much at all. We learned that he can run the offense and handoff, which is what he did against Utah State last year when, when Romney was hurt after Hall was, was out with the injury. Um, I think, uh, I think it's, if Hall leaves, it's wide open, and I won't be shocked to see someone that we don't even know who, who that person is behind center when things open up in September. He'll get a chance to compete for that spot, certainly, but uh, BYU didn't need him to pass in this game, so it's sort of tough to evaluate Jacobs specifically because they ran 10 times in a row on a drive and scored a touchdown. Yeah. So when you're that dominant, if I'm Aaron Roderick, it's like, why would I have him pass again? Right. So I get that part of it. There were a few others I'd rather have seen run than pass anyway that night, too, when you're getting <laughs> that many yards. Uh, is Pete Warner the next BYU linebacker sensation? Pete Warner is one of the greatest players in BYU football <laughs> history, Dave. Uh, our guy uh, our guy Petros Papadakis, uh, you know, forgot. Pete Warner plays for another NFL team. But it does remind – he meant Fred Warner, of course. But it does remind me of some of the great misnamed Cougars in BYU f football history, which are Pete Warner, Roscoe Mendenhall, <laughs> Kyle Collingsworth, Noah Hartstock, and of course, QB sensation Tyler Magnum. There have been some greats that have been misnamed over the years. Yeah, Pete Warner. You know, his brother Pop was good, but... <laughs> Jameer, Jameer Fredette was pretty good as well. <laughs> all right, CBS Sports Rankings of all FBS programs has BYU at number 61. That fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, middle of the pack. That's how BYU's been this year. Seven and five, one game above 500. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Seems I don't like think BYU should be top 50. It's kind of what they've earned. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I, I think uh, Arkansas and uh, East Carolina are ranked just ahead of them. They beat them. I'm good with that. Yeah. You know? uh, I'd like to see it uh, a lot better. I'd like to have seen them a lot healthier. Yeah. And then we'd be talking about something else. And, and think about it. It's a uh, beat Notre Dame and beat ECU situation away from being last year. Ten and, ten and two in the regular season. Yeah. Didn't get it done in those two specific games. Liberty and Oregon, I tip my cap. Arkansas is an interesting one. I think if you play that ten times, might be more interesting, right? But Liberty, who by the way lost to New Mexico State over the weekend, yeah, they got blown out. What? Crazy. At home? Yeah. Oregon and, and Liberty, I just go, nope. Those teams are better that day. You're not going to win. It was that hit against Utah State in the fourth quarter that torpedoed October. Yeah. All right, the women's volleyball team. Are they going to get a shot 
in the second round against Pittsburgh on their home floor. Yes, BYU will win in the first round against the Sun Belt champs, J Jimmy Madison. And then they will play Pitt, who BYU lost to in four in September. Competitive match, but Pitt's loaded, man. Pitt is like Final Four good. I think San Diego good, because BYU saw them twice, most recently the uh, last week, and they were just better. They are close to San Diego good. I would have San Diego in a close four-set win, maybe five-set if those two played. But uh, yeah, BYU's going to get a chance. Remember, BYU's made the Sweet 16 six of the last seven years. Yeah, so that's what they do. used to winning. But that's all come at home, Nick. Last time they went to uh, uh, on the road and played, went to the national title game, first two rounds. So they, they got that going. They're going to the national title. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. That'd be awesome. Okay, following the come from behind win against Dayton, BYU Hoops captured this hypeness from BYU assistant coach Nick Robinson, who doesn't have like a full voice. He's battled some health issues with his throat, but he is yelling as, as loud as he possibly can. Should this be the energy of our producer and our production team after every show? I don't know. They've been shouting in my ear this whole show, and I don't like it. So I'd say no. Rap! There's Move a, on! There is great energy on this staff, and uh, and coming out of that big win, uh, we'll see them tomorrow night and see if they can sustain it now as they move into December. But I love that. it. That's fired up. Nick, Nick is fired up. By the way, Nick still got it. Like, he'll suit up with the practice squad. And he'll actually play and like throw, throw down. down. Oh, yeah. Throw we down. see it. Shoot around. It's awesome. <laughs> we'll see Nick and the guys tomorrow night moving up to Vivint Arena. Christmas around the world is moving into the Marriott Center. So the Cougars are up in Salt Lake City, which is a, this is an awesome time of year to be up there. BYU TV coverage starts at 8 o'clock Eastern time with game day. Tip-off at 9 Eastern. The Cougars and Westminster from the home of the Jazz at Vivint Arena. They've got two former Cougars on the squad, so that should be fun to watch. Yeah. And David Nixon coming up, talks with Taysom Hill after yesterday's Niners-Saints game. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation from Studio B, Jerem Jordan alongside Dave McCann. Well, being in the Bay Area over the weekend, David Nixon, Got to uh, uh, check some boxes. He got Thanksgiving in with some family. Got the BYU-Stanford game. And then he got the Niners-Saints uh, you know, game. He, he probably didn't need a ticket. He could have got one from brother-in-law Taysom Hill. But uh, David went to that game on behalf of BYU TV. And uh, we have him interviewing some people, including uh, his brother-in-law Taysom Hill right here. Obviously a tough game out there uh, today. But we saw you line up all over the field, you know, flexed out. As a wing quarterback, talk about your role with this team and kind of how that's developed over the season. Yeah, I mean, I think every every week's a little bit different. You know, you kind of look at the game plan and see where you're going to be. But um, you know, I've had a lot of fun. It's I've done a lot of unique things, and you know, it's whatever you can do to help help the team win win football games. And um, you know, that's that's what it's all about. And it's been been fun. So we've talked about a lot about this, you and I, how you've had to transition back and forth between the quarterback room and the tied room. Talk about that's pretty unique. Most guys have just one specific room, but you're kind of bounce all over the place. Talk about your preparation throughout the week and getting ready for a game and kind of what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, I have to become very hyper-focused on what they're asking me to do. So it's hard for me to, like, fully dive into what the quarterbacks are doing, what the tight ends are doing because of how unique my role is. So I've become very hyper-focused on where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be asked to do. And um, it's one of those things that I, I've just learned to, to deal. I figured out a process that works for me. And, you know, you still kind of make it work when you get hit in the hand or something. And then coach coach calls something down the field for you in the middle of the game. But, um, you know, we, we've been able to make it work. 
So we saw you chat with Fred Warner before the game. You guys played three seasons together at BYU. Talk about that relationship and kind of how it played out throughout the game. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for, for Fred. You know, you go back to, to college and playing Fred every day in practice. Like, I mean, he was a great football player. Um, and so I'm not surprised to see all the success that, that he's had in the NFL. And, and he's, he's a guy that just gets better and better every year. And, I mean, it's hard to think of, of somebody that's playing better than him right now at that position. So BYU last night just played their last regular season game of independence. You were a, the quarterback during the independence period. What's your fondest memory of, of being at BYU and the whole being a quarterback during independence? Yeah, I mean, I think it created a lot of really unique experiences going to different venues and playing different teams that you wouldn't normally have. And, you know, obviously playing universities like University of Texas and, you know, other big time schools throughout the country are, are really ones that come to mind. And, um, you know, I, I look back at it with a lot of fond memories, but man, I'm, I'm excited for the future. Yeah, so speaking of future, BYU now headed into the Big 12. As an alumni now, what are your thoughts of uh, BYU next year heading into the Big 12 playing, playing with the P5 Conference? Uh, I mean, I'm fired up. I, I think there's always, obviously rivalries that go, go around amongst the locker room and stuff. And, and when you get in a conference like that, you know you're going to be playing teammates every single year. makes it a lot of fun for what I'm doing now. But, um, man, it, it's a lot of fun, you know, aside from all of that, just to see them get in a conference and have a chance to go win a conference championship and, and uh, you know, make a run for the Final Four. All right, as a seasoned NFL vet yourself, what advice would you give to some of the BYU Cougars coming out, like Jaron Hall potentially, uh, you've heard Puka Nakua, Blake Freeland, some of these other guys coming out. What's your advice to them as they kind of make the step to the next level? I think the biggest thing is, is you got to find someone that's been doing it for a while. Find a mentor and someone that's willing to teach you the process to get ready for a football game and do everything you can to learn from them. And, you know, I look back at my career, early in my career, Drew was really, really that guy for me. And the process that I used to get ready for a football game was everything that, that he taught me. And, uh, man, that just accelerated my career in, in so many ways. Last question. A few weeks ago, uh, we played golf down in New Orleans, and you had to Venmo me after the round. Let's talk a little bit about what happened there and uh, maybe just recap why you had to uh, Venmo me. Dave, Dave's getting too many strokes, and uh, it's, it's slowly going down. That's a false statement, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Jason. All good. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I don't know if that's a false statement, but uh, that's good to see those two together. Brother and brother-in-law's... Uh, after the game. Yeah, we, we mentioned it a bunch, but Emily, David's sister, married Taysom. So that's the uh, connection there. Taysom yesterday, by the way, 0-1 passing, six carries for 13 yards, had a seven-yard catch. It was a tough game because the Niners are pretty good. Niners are great on defense. I don't know if uh, – I think I was at church when all that was going down. I don't know if Fred tackled Taysom, which would be kind of cool just to see them get after each other on the professional level besides hanging out before the games. But uh, if Taysom was running very often, then Fred was probably involved in one of those – one of those seven runs, but uh, both great examples. And, and we've gotten to know Taysom. He, he has a home here, so we see him quite a bit in the offseason. And uh, he's handled a whole lot. I wish he was the starting quarterback. I don't know why they're messing around with Andy Dalton or, or the other guy, just because I'd like to see him play. But they're smarter than me, so this, that's probably why they've, they've done that. But when he's being utilized, it's must-see TV for BYU fans. Yeah. At any time uh, Taysom touches the ball is, is an interesting thing. By the way, uh, no time for the Daniel Sorensen conversation with David. You can check that out on our 
social media platforms coming up this afternoon. BYU basketball, Mark Pope, it's shifting to Wednesday night because the Cougars are in action uh, tomorrow night. Coach will break down the Westminster game with Greg Rubel. Look at the South Dakota on Saturday. You can watch it Wednesday, 8.30 Eastern on the free BYU TV app. And which famous person wore a BYU Sports Nation shirt that we're excited about and want to show you after the break? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps or listen to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review, please. Time now for Fantasy Friday results. Jaron Hall didn't play. Well, he just scored touchdowns. Never mind, I'm going to get crushed again. But let's talk about it. I thought because Jaron maybe only completed seven passes for 93, I'd have a chance. No, he kept throwing touchdown passes. <laughs> and he rushed for one. He had three scores. So I'm going to get crushed again. Let's check it out. Okay, so I started Chris Brooks. 16 points. That's a nice game from Christopher. Thank you. Nine points from Ben Bywater. Pretty good. Keanu Hill, thank you for nothing. <laughs> he banged up his hand, too. And it was yeah, on the sideline and street clothes in the afterwards. Half, yeah. 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 Uh, Spencer went with uh, Jaron Hall. And I lose. Right Puk, there. He, beat him, he beat your whole team right there by Jaron Hall. Puka yep. Nakua yep. then made it worse. And then Fred Warner yeah. picked up 11. So it was 47 to 25. And Spencer now is 12 and 0 on the regular season. 12 and 0. But you know the bowl, the bowl's double or nothing. So you got a really? chance to redeem yourself. There's no way I do anything that matters. I can't believe you lined up 12 life. different teams against Spencer and got beat all 12. I would like to not thank uh, Zach Wilson and Chris Brooks. <laughs> they haven't come through for me next year, all year. Next year is going to be. There's always next year. There is always Cougar next sports. year. Let's go. You and the Cubs. Our question of the day. What are you looking for in the next BYU defensive coordinator? Our lead voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Jason S. on Twitter. QB pressure and a willingness to recruit stars. Pretty simple. Well, there you go. Okay, sometimes, uh, you know, people wear shirts. We like it. Uh, this happened with Steve Young, which is our Rise and Shout Out, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Steve wearing the BYU Sports Nation shirt of the game. Nice. How cool Also, is that? shout out to the bright blue pants that Spencer's wearing. <laughs> uh, Match Steve's shirt. For the, and, and, it matches his shirt. There you go. There you go. Our thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddich and Taysom Hill. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand at BYUSN.com. For Dave, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Colby Pearson, an interesting coordinator's corner coming up at 2 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Who's get it done over the weekend? But lots to discuss. Looking for a new DC. Go Cougs.